I'm so glad that you uh, chose to join us this morning online. I'm sorry that we had to move to online this morning, uh, but obviously with the conditions the way they are, we felt like this was the best uh, decision to make. Um, we really would prefer to be in person, but you know, being online is the next best thing. Uh, we're excited uh, about the series that we're doing right now where we're talking about the Holy Spirit. But before we get into that, I really want to look at uh, just a reminder as to why South Point exists, like why we believe that God has called us to do what we do, um, to be who we are, and, and that's this. This is our vision statement. Uh, we want everyone, we want everyone to experience God's unconditional love. In other words, we want every person to experience Jesus because we think that God's unconditional love is found in the person of Jesus, and we want everyone to experience Jesus. And it's funny, we've had a I've had conversations with people that are like, that, that vision statement's way too big. <laughs> it is. It's way too big. Uh, but, you know, I believe in a big God. I believe that nothing is impossible with God. And I think what we will see as we journey into this, um, this adventure that we're going we're to go on with the book of Acts is that for everyone to experience God's unconditional love, it's going to take everyone to make that happen. And I think that's what the book of Acts is about. It's about involving everyone in what God is doing. How God is, God's desire, his heart is to share this good news with everyone. And the good news with that, as we've been looking at over these last couple of weeks, is that we don't do this alone. That God himself dwells in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And as we're looking at the book of Acts, which we're going to spend this whole year in this series we've called Origins, which is really about the start of the church. Um, we're going to look and see how God used the Holy Spirit, how God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit used a group of ordinary men and women to transform the world. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that, a lot of misunderstanding, I think, or lack of understanding when it comes to the, who the Holy Spirit is. And... That's why we decided to start with this three-part series up front. And so if you've missed the previous two weeks, I would just encourage you to go back and listen to those because they're really foundational. Dustin did a great job of explaining um, who the Holy Spirit is and, and really what the Holy Spirit does. Um, but our hope in this whole series, this whole book of Acts, is that it wouldn't just be another Bible study. Um, not think there's anything wrong with studying the Bible. I think that's really important. But our hope is for so much more. Um, our hope and our prayer is that it wouldn't just be about just getting more knowledge about the Bible or about the church or about God. Um, but this will really transform us in, in two primary ways. One is that this series, this year of going through Acts will grow us deeper in our relationship with God. That we will encounter God in ways that we've never encountered him before. Um, that we will grow closer to him, that we will grow more in love with him, that we will have a, a, a better understanding of who he is and, and why he's called us to do what he's called us to do. Um, but the second thing I hope that would come out of this is that this would move us as a church, that would move each of us individually into the mission that God has called us to. And that's kind of where it comes back to that beginning. We exist because we want everyone to experience God's unconditional love. Uh, this morning as we conclude 
uh, this mini-series on the person of the Holy Spirit, we're going to really look at how the Holy Spirit works, how the Holy Spirit works. And it's funny because honestly, <laughs> this is impossible. This, this is a, an impossible task. It would be kind of like, I was trying to think of how do you describe what this task is like? And I was thinking, it's kind of like if I were standing at the bottom of Mount Everest, if that's even possible, I've never been to Mount Everest, but if it, I was standing at the bottom of Mount Everest and I was looking up at the, at the tallest point on the earth and, and I was to stand here and give, be given the task of trying to describe every square inch of Mount Everest, that would only be kind of like scratching the surface of this task of trying to explain how the Holy Spirit works. Or, or and then I was thinking, you know, that, that really probably doesn't cover it. And so I thought, well, maybe it's more like if I were to explain the sea to you, like every square inch of the sea, like the water, the land under the sea, the surface of the, everything that you would find, if I were to sit down and try to explain to you all of those things, now nah, that, that, that really <laughs> wouldn't do it either. And so then I thought, well, maybe it's more like the universe. Just like if I were to try to describe to you every square inch of the universe, and honestly, as you can see, this is really an impossible task. It's almost impossible to be able to, well, it is impossible to sit down in, in any period of time and try to unpack all that the Holy Spirit is, because the Holy Spirit is God. I mean, the Holy Spirit is infinite, there's no words that can adequately capture who he is and even how he works. The Holy Spirit, he can't be controlled or manipulated. The Holy Spirit can't be reduced to some formula. He can't even be limited to how we see him work in the Bible. And I think it's dangerous or arrogant every time I hear someone say to me, the Spirit no longer works this way. He, he's God. <laughs> he, the Holy Spirit can do whatever the Holy Spirit does and whatever God wants because the Holy Spirit is God. How, however, that doesn't mean that we don't talk about Him. I, I was thinking a little bit about it this way. If I were to go on a trip, for example, and I had the best experience, I saw the most beautiful scenery, I ate the best foods, um, I had the best time with my family, and I were to sit down with you and try to describe that trip to you, there's no way I could describe it in such a way that you would actually experience that trip, and regardless of how many details I would go over, there's no way I could have you experience that trip. And I think that's kind of what this task is this morning. But I can give you highlights of that trip. I can tell you what my favorite things are. I can tell you what the best experiences are and have you um, share those with me. And so this morning, we're going to look at some of the highlights. And, and really specifically, as I said, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts and I want to focus in on how we see the Holy Spirit work just generally in the book of Acts. And 
Before we get into the specifics, so I think it's really important that we look at this graphic that Dustin shared with us two Sundays ago. And, and this graphic is really designed to try to capture as best as we can in our own limited understanding um, how the Trinity works, how this idea that there is God is one being, but he exists in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father being the Father, the Son being Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who we're going to talk about this morning. And what I want to focus on more than anything is just the outside of that circle because it really describes what the role or what the function or what, the, what each of those uh, persons of the Trinity do. And what they do is they glorify one another. They, they never, each of them, it's interesting, as you look through Scripture, they all talk about glorifying one another, that they exist and they continue to, to elevate, to glorify the other person in the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit, as you can see on this diagram, the Holy Spirit glorifies the Father and glorifies the Son. And I think the reason I wanted to show this is because I think it's, it's really foundational as we look at this this morning of how the Holy Spirit works, that the Holy Spirit always in some way will bring glory or will glorify the Father or glorify the Son. He, he's not going to bring glory to himself. He will not do things that just draw attention to himself. And I think that's oftentimes why he's overlooked in the church. I, I think he's often misunderstood because the, the Spirit glorifies the Father and glorifies the Son. And we're going to see that this morning as we look at how the Holy Spirit works. And, and here are just a few examples. Like I said, this is an impossible task, but we're going to look at a few examples. We're going to hit some of the highlights. The first thing that we see, and, and, and perhaps maybe this is the starting point in a lot of ways for all of us when it comes to the Holy Spirit as he interacts with us, is the Holy Spirit convicts. John 16, verse 8, and this is, this is Jesus speaking here. John 16, 8, he says this. And when he comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I, I think it's really important to understand that the conviction that's being talked about here, it, it's not the same thing as having a guilty conscience. Because I know a lot of people think that, well, you know, the Holy Spirit's kind of like our conscience. He's not like our conscience at all. The Holy Spirit is God dwelling in us. And the Holy Spirit convicts us, and he's, it's not a guilty conscience. The, the word convict that's used here by Jesus is actually a Greek word that means to convince someone of the truth or to cross-examine as a witness. In other words, the Holy Spirit shows us where we are messing up. He tells us where we are messing up. And then he reminds us of our need for Jesus. It's kind of like what happened to the prophet Isaiah. And if you're not familiar with the story, there's a really, really cool story of the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. <coughs> where the prophet Isaiah goes into the temple. He has this vision. And he goes into the temple. 
and he sees, he sees the Lord. And it says the, Lord of, the train of the Lord fills the temple, which really represents how glorious the Lord is. And basically, Isaiah in that moment is completely undone. <laughs> he, he's a wreck because he, he says, woe, woe is to, I'm not worthy to like stand in this place. I, I, I'm a person of unclean lips, and I live among people that have unclean lips. I, he was undone by how holy and how great God is. And I think that that's, with the Holy Spirit, that's one of the things that he does, is he helps us recognize this holiness of who God is and how messed up we are and how much God loves us and wants us to be with him. It's not just about feeling bad for what we've done. It's really about, conviction is really about realizing who has been wronged by what we have done. And it, not just, it doesn't just stop there. It moves us into some sort of action. It's the difference between being convicted by the Holy Spirit and feeling guilty is this, that true conviction by the Holy Spirit always moves us closer to God. It always moves us closer to God, whereas guilt typically moves us away from God. It puts us in a place where we want to hide in our sin. Conviction from the Holy Spirit isn't simply knowing that we've done something wrong or having anxiety over an impending punishment or, or feeling guilty. Those are signs of a guilty conscience, yes, but understanding the consequences of sin does not merely lead us to change when the holy spirit convicts us of our sin we have taken the first step towards repentance we are no longer we no longer want to live like we have lived and we want to turn away from what we've been doing how we've been living and we want to follow jesus conviction leads us to repentance which always causes us to turn away from what we've been doing and lead us to follow Jesus. And I think this is one of the most important ways that the Spirit, like we said, the Spirit exists to glorify the Father or to glorify Jesus. This is the way that, one of the ways that the Spirit glorifies Jesus. He points us to the person of Jesus. And, and I think it's super important, not just for us personally, but to realize this, like Dustin was sharing last week, if you missed it, that when we're interacting with others, that's how the Holy Spirit works as well. We can't do anything to change someone's mind. We can't do anything to change someone's behavior. That's what the Holy Spirit does, and only the Holy Spirit does. Only the Holy Spirit can change the way that we are, and he does that by convicting us. And we see specifically the Holy Spirit do this throughout the book of Acts. And one of the most specific ways that, I can, that comes to mind is right at the beginning. Uh, Peter is in the middle of sharing this unbelievable message uh, with boldness and this huge crowd in Jerusalem. And, and it seems like Peter's like right in the middle of this message. And the crowd, it just says those who are hearing this are cut to the heart <laughs> and they're like what what are we supposed to do that's the conviction of the holy spirit 
Like, that's what he's doing. He's convicting them. You and I, if we are following Jesus, you and I have a conviction story. And if you haven't, my constant prayer is that you would have this conviction story that somehow the Holy Spirit would convict you, (laughs) that he would move you to a place closer to Jesus. But this conviction is not just a one-time event, but it's part of a process um, by which the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. And that's the second thing that we see. The Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. The fancy word for this is the word sanctification. If you've been in the church at any point in time, some may, you may have heard that word thrown around, or if you've been in the church for some time, you may have never heard that word, but the word is sanctification. And, and it's not a word that we go around today talking about, of being sanctified. We, we see this word first used in 1 Peter verses 1, 1 through 2, and talking about the Holy Spirit. Peter writes this, and this is his introduction to this group of churches that are in Asia. He says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. Now, when you hear the word elect exiles, basically what he's talking about are people who are following Jesus. In the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, like I said, all churches, all places in Asia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. The sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit is taking us and making us more like Jesus. It's a refining process that the Spirit does. Because right now we live in this tension between what is now and what is yet to come. And and when you and I say yes to believing in Jesus and and we accept him as our Lord and Savior and we begin to follow him as our Lord, the Spirit works in us and refines us to make us more like him. And it's a constant struggle between what continues to be our sinful nature, and, and it, many times people refer to this as the flesh. You'll read the scripture and it'll say the flesh. That's kind of like our sinful self. And being made new, what Jesus is doing in us through his spirit, making us like him. And, and how, the, the Holy, how the spirit works is revealing the sin in our lives. He continues to reveal. He shows us the truth. And he continues to point us to the person of Jesus, reminding us of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And this is a process that goes on and on and on in our walk with him. He continues to refine us. He continues to make us more like him. Paul has a really great description of kind of what this looks like in Galatians chapter 5. And at the beginning of Galatians chapter 5, he kind of reminds us, like, why the Spirit does this. He says, it's 
for freedom, Christ has set us free. And he says, stand firm, therefore, don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. What he's saying there is, you know, Jesus has come to free you from sin. Don't continue to, like, dwell in it. Like, he's freed us from that. We no longer have to live in that place. Even though that we still battle within ourselves for that, we no longer have to live in that place. And, and he goes on in this passage a little bit later. He, he talks about a specific issue that was going on in the Galatian church where they were still trying to live under the, the, the restrictions of the law when it came to a specific ritual. And he, he's like, why do you continue to want to go back to this when Christ has set you free? And, and he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Again, the sinful nature. But through love, serve one another. And that's going to be a real key thing here. Like, the reason that we become more like Jesus, one of the reasons is because it allows us to be in this place where we're able to put others first, to be able to serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Again, there's this internal war that continues to go on between what the Spirit is doing and our sinful nature, this process of sanctification. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, that sinful nature. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now he's going to describe some of the things that we wrestle with when it comes to our sinful nature. He has this list. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So here's a list of a lot of the things that are going on, you know, that this sinful nature produces or, or drags our desire into. He says, I warned you as I warned you before that those do, who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is why this sanctification process is so important. That's not... What God desires for us, it's not what Jesus has for us, it's not what he wants for us. But he says this, he says, but the evidence of the Spirit, like when the Spirit begins to take control, this is what you see. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he says this, against such thing there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus, Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. And, and again, in this way, with, this, the, with the transformation that the Holy Spirit does, this sanctification process of the Spirit making us more like Jesus, who glorifies Jesus? Because <laughs> he continually points us to him. And again, the primary evidence of the Spirit working in our lives is for us to see the fruit described here, that we are people that are filled with love, that we're people filled with joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. I mean, that's how we know that the Spirit is at work in us. Those don't come just naturally from within us. 
The third thing I think that you see throughout the book of Acts is that Spirit guides. And, and, and He does this so many different ways in the book of Acts. And, and let me just give you a few examples really quick. It, right up at the front, the, the, uh, the disciples, the 12 uh, original followers uh, of Jesus, they've, one of them has betrayed Him, Judas has betrayed Him, and they, they think they need to replace Him. And, and so it says that they pray. And, uh, and they trust God, and then they cast lots. They cast a dice to see which of the two people that they think God wants to decide. I think that that's, the Holy Spirit works in that. Like, that's the response. That's the answer. They wanted this person to be the replacement for Judas. We see it with Peter in several different examples when he's speaking in places that you know, Peter just days before had betrayed Jesus, was afraid, and now he's got this an unbelievable boldness and clarity giving him the word to say. And we see the Spirit actually speaking to them, telling them what he wants them to do or where he wants them to go. And, and then also even through a vision, we see him speaking in the dreams. And so we see the Holy Spirit working in all of these different ways and he still guides and leads us today, both individually and at church. And I think there's a couple of things that I want to caution us against. It's really two different things. One is, again, the idea of limiting the Spirit, to say the Spirit doesn't do this anymore, or saying the Spirit doesn't work this way, because I think that's a very dangerous thing. He won't do anything that's inconsistent with the character and nature of God, because he is God. And he won't do anything that doesn't bring glory to the Father or to the Son. But for us to limit him, is, I think, is a very, very dangerous thing. I think the other side of that is to say, well, he did that in this situation, but he should do that in every situation. He should still, like, speak to me in these things. And he may, but to say that every person should experience the Spirit like we see in the book of Acts, again, is kind of, in a way, limiting him and the way he acts. So when we see the Holy Spirit guiding, really what you see is the Holy Spirit glorifying the Father because he's trying to line people up with what the will of the Father is. So, so how, do we, how, are we, how do we experience this? How, do we, how are we guided by the Spirit I think there's multiple ways. Again, it's kind of like trying to put things... Let me just suggest a few. One, he does this through Scripture, and you'll hear us talk about this a lot. You've heard us talk about this a lot, but you know, we believe that God reveals himself through Scripture. God reveals who he is, what his character is, why he's come, what he's done for us, why he's done this for us. All of these things are revealed in the Bible. And, and I think that as we read Scripture, we begin to see more and more, and He guides us through that. The Holy Spirit begins to guide us through what we read. I, I think through prayer is another way. And, and really, in the prayer sense, it's more of a listening. You know, prayer is really a conversation that happens. It's not just us talking to God. It's really more about us listening. And I think that as we sit and as we listen, as we're quiet and still, that He leads us, He guides us. And I think the problem today is we fill our, so, our space with so much noise and so much busyness that we don't create time or space to be able to really listen. I think he communicates and he guides us through others. And 
And for me in my life, where this has been more ev- most evident to me is when I get confirmation from somebody about something, like somebody, I've been praying about something, I'm thinking about something, and then this person will, I'm not even asking them for advice, and this person will say, hey, I think that this, or had you ever thought about that? And it's like this confirmation that the Spirit works in those relationships. And that's why it's so important that we're together. It's why we're so important that, because the Spirit uses all of us to, to guide one another. We need one another in this. And I believe that the Spirit still does supernatural things. It's the same God that we read about in the Old, Te- in the Old Testament and the New Testament. That same Spirit that we see is in us. And I believe that there's many different supernatural ways that the Spirit continues to guide us. It's not that we just want to be people or a church that are, is led by the Holy Spirit or guided by the Holy Spirit. We need to be people and a church that are led or guide, guided by the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus' church, and we need him to lead us and guide us. And, and the last one is this. The Holy Spirit gifts us. The Holy Spirit gifts 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says this, to each, now this is each person, to each person who said yes to Jesus, who's following Jesus, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. That's basically a gift. The Holy Spirit gifts us for the common good. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Every believer, every follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives them a gift, an ability. And this is not just a talent. This is not something that just you can learn. It's something that is uniquely gifted to you by the Holy Spirit. And you can find lists of these in different letters that have been written in the New Testament. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 5, and 1 Peter chapter 4. All of these places are these lists. And I don't know or I don't think that these are necessarily meant to be all-exclusive lists of the way the Spirit gifts, but they're examples of the way that the Spirit gifts. And, And there's some people who want to try and divide these lists into two different categories, like the natural and the supernatural gifts. And I, honestly, I think that that's kind of a short-sighted view of this. You know, if the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit, who is supernatural, (laughs) is the one that is giving these gifts that aren't necessarily something that we just learn or earn or whatever, that's supernatural, right? All of the gifts, in some ways, are supernatural, because of where they come from. And why does the Spirit gift us? It says there, for the common good. For the common good. That's why the Spirit gifts us, is for others, in other words, for other people. And, and Paul uses this illustration of the body, that we are one body but many parts, and each part works together. The Spirit gifts us so that we're able to kind of function together holistically and whole, like a, as a whole. And again, that kind of ties back into why it's so important that all of us are together. We all need one another. And really, ultimately, the Spirit, through the giving of gifts, is glorifying Jesus because the reason that He gives us these gifts is so that we can continue to point people to Jesus. That's why the church exists, is to point, our, point people to the person of Jesus. 
And, and really, there's just a couple of ways that I think that we see that sometimes these gifts get abused. One is really when we don't use a gift at all. You know, we're given the gift, but we don't really use it. We don't use it to benefit others, or we just don't, we don't use it. And a lot of times that's built around many different things, but we just don't use it. We don't use the gift. Um, the, the second thing I think that we see, though, is that, um, and unfortunately, the gifts sometimes get used to bring glory to the person, the individual, rather than to glorify Jesus. And, and that's an abuse of the gift. Like, that's an abuse, and we shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. And we'll see many ways that the Spirit gifts as we look at the book of Acts. And our hope and prayer is that, that each person will discover how the Spirit has gifted you and, and how you can use that gift to bring glory to Jesus. And again, he, here's what I hope will happen. And I hope that we will hold on to throughout this whole series. The Holy Spirit, and this is remarkable, it's even hard, like when I was writing this, it's like, man, this is just amazing. The Holy Spirit is God himself in us. Like, that's amazing to me. Like, God, the person, like the being of God and the person of the Holy Spirit is in us, and he's with us every moment of every day. That's an amazing gift. And, and like I said from the beginning, what I really hope in this look at the book of Acts is that this book would be transformational for us, that the Holy Spirit would stir us as individuals and stir us as a church, that we'll be inspired, that we'll be challenged, and that we'll be moved into action, and that we will become the church that God wants us to be as we seek Him and we submit to His will. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray Again, that this would not just be something that we just tuck away for the future, but, Father, that, that we would just realize what you have done for us, like this incredible gift of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and salvation that we, get, we, we have because of him. But, Father, that you just don't leave us alone, that you've actually given us your presence and you continue to refine us to be more like Jesus, that you give us what we need to do what you've called us to do, through your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that you would move me, that you would move every person that's listening to this, that you would move South Point and your church globally, God, um, into action, that we would become the people that you want us to be, that you've called us to be, and the mission that you've called us to. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.